All right. Welcome back to the Price Well Podcast. We're here with Chris Waldrum today on episode 91. It's April 10th. Uh, I'm here with Mike, founder of Price Well, and this is Ben. Super excited to be talking. This is probably our, what, fifth podcast together, Chris? I would say, you know, at least some of them <laughs> off air for good reason. But yeah. yeah. Well, so we're going to start this off by saying uh, we Chris is a, is a repeat uh, guest on the podcast. We've had quite a few different enjoyable ones. Most of the time it's about supplements. Every year in there, it's not about supplements. So if you're looking for a little bit off-topic fun discussion and you know Chris or you enjoy any of his work, uh, I'm going to tell you now to go back to episode 69. Uh, it was a specific request of Chris's to be on for that one, and we allowed him to just go wild for the two hours. And I think it's one of our highest-viewed podcasts at this point. But uh, today we're actually be talking about Chris's uh, entrance to... Uh, Nutrix Research. Uh, he's now there as their chief marketing officer. Is that? Is yeah, that's, a, that's a pretty good title. Yeah, we'll call it that. Yeah, brand Well, Well, hey, let's go even further back. We got to backtrack to yes. the sale of Inspired Nutraceuticals. Yes, Chris's former brand. So, Chris, uh, I know you probably can't tell us everything, but can you tell us everything? <laughs> yeah, just about. I mean, I, I could give you as much details as you want, except for who acquired the company. Um, yeah, the everything. Yeah, everything else. Yeah, everything else. <laughs> Yeah, start from the beginning. Like, so you started, you were around, what, 2014, 2015 you started? And then I guess like I guess you can skip to the sale or whatever, whatever you want to say. But uh, um, it's been fun watching you. So that's all I'm going to say. Like, the original Devastate pre-workout uh, opened up a lot of eyeballs, let's say, and was was a fun time. We've been following you ever since. So it's been an honor to kind of watch you grow and, and progress here. And here we are together, the three of us with millions of people watching this. Really, everybody watching that, stay tuned till the end because we're going to get into some weird shit. Um, yeah, I, it's so funny you mentioned like 2014. Um, the first product that we launched was a fat burning capsule. And, you know, me being the idiot back then, I didn't really do any market research. I just saw that Synodrex worked really well and it sold, you know, 200,000 bottles a month kind of thing. I'm like, man, that's really cool. What if we do a fat burning capsule that's like, backed by science and this is before like incomoral dopamine was really popular and i was looking at these kind of clenbuterol replacing compounds and um anyway so i started formulating this product which i was very very proud of and had uh, a choline source alpha gpc inside there mixed with these other you know fat burning agents and i was like man this is gonna sell millions you know i'm, I'm totally gonna make it to the big time the first <laughs> first year of my business and this was this was a couple months after I left Diamatize, which I was employed for uh, for three years as their West Coast manager. So I formulate this capsule and I start going out to accounts, and I knew all my accounts because you know we were crushing it with Diamatize, and I thought that everybody that I supported for the three years was just going to be first adopters. Go, Chris, you came out with something. I'm going to support you because you supported us so much. And uh, to my surprise, really, I guess I was that naive. Nobody wanted to support me. <laughs> I just thought I was an idiot leaving leaving such a good company, established company, to do my own kind of pipe dream. And uh, it was a really, really good positive wake up call because it just showed me, you know, the the type of endurance I'd have to have as an individual to be able to continue through an onslaught of uh, closed doors and whatnot. And um, yeah, to all the companies out there, don't don't launch with a a capsule burner. Maybe it's much different these days, but. That led to Devastate, and the first Devastate we launched was with Amp Citrate, and it was uh, four grams of citrulline, two grams of beta-alanine, 200 milligrams of Amp Citrate, and 200 milligrams of caffeine, and that was just the golden ratio, like the Fibonacci formula of the matrix, because everybody we sampled it to 
was just, because this was right at the end of uh, tail end of DMAA. And so everybody's desperately searching for replacement. Came out with that, with an amp citrate, and it just hit the ground running. People started hearing of Inspired. And at that time, we were really like a hardcore company. And we kind of, you know, evolved out of that. But it worked for us in that initial phase. And um, the next Devastate was Devastate Black Diamond. And that's the one that really started making waves because it was at the tail end of 2014, early 2015, where I think Jim Sapani launched at the same time with his pre-workout. And in retail, it, it was pretty non-existent, you know, so we had a huge opportunity there. And I remember going to stores, doing demos and seeing other reps and other reps was like, dude, you're making people fucking pissed. Like other companies are pissed because they see what you're doing at the formula. And back then it was groundbreaking and now, you know, it's beating a dead horse. But at the time, these reps would approach me and be like, what are you doing? Why? Why are you putting this much? Because there was, there was no product with maybe like over 300 grams total that way inside of a pre-workout. So people just looked at me as this, you know, big jerk off trying to mess with everybody. And I was just kind of following the trend and seeing the evolution of where everything was going. And it worked and it worked with just, you know, the freaking sweat of my brow kind of thing to build it up. And, uh, yeah, everybody that's watching this probably knows the rest of the history. I don't want to take too much time, but that initial launch process until now has just been, you know, it's a decade of, uh, terms of endearment kind of thing, you know? Chris, do you happen to have any of that original Devastate in a freezer somewhere with that am citrated? <laughs> I don't have that one, but I do have the, uh, oh, what was it called? What was that? DMHA. White Mineralizer. Yeah, you've had a few. Yeah. So, I mean, we replaced that one because I was like terrified, you know, even though we were non-existent in the realm of being noticeable to maybe like lawyers and whatnot like that. I've always been a very paranoid individual with <laughs> with getting in trouble. So. We reformulated too soon, um, but luckily the two amino isoheptane was out, and then White Cut came out, and that just that blew up. I mean, it was it was it was groundbreaking, and really catapulted us to a different level than I ever expected. But I do have White Cut for sure. I'm gonna save some, and that'll be like my whenever we whenever we cut the formula, I found like an extra case, and we put that on a website for like a hundred bucks a piece and they just sold like that. And I was like, fuck, dude, I should have made a couple more thousand of this and done <laughs> like Cinderdrax, like they did with Cinderdrax, you know? Yeah, to me, the white cut was, sorry, I was gonna say, well, the white cut was uh, like the big one for me. I remember that being where like everyone was really raising eyebrows, talking about that. Yeah, and I was asking, have you ever, had you ever tried the Amcitrate at all? I think I took Amcitrate in Centurion Labs. Uh, it, okay. It was like, I don't know. It was dirtier feeling to me, at least. Oh, really? Okay. For me, I, I was like, whoa, this is a workout stimulant. Like that stuff got disappeared pretty quickly. <laughs> I had a few, a few supplements, including, including Chris's that were, were uh, let's just say, I feel bad for the younger folks who didn't get to experience that, um, that ingredient or DMAA. You can still find DMAA out there, but the, uh, the ancestry was something different to me. So yeah, that one, that won't work for me. But anyway, moving on. So eventually, um, it was like, what happened is, was it, it was time to leave. Move on from Inspired Nutraceuticals at some point in uh, end of 2022 was that year. So how did that all transpire? Man, yeah. So just to go over kind of like the tail end and what brought me to this decision. Um, really, the company was doing well. Everybody went through their their COVID crisis. And if anybody tells you that they didn't impact them financially in some way, that'd be full of shit. Um, so it did impact us. There was never a case where I was like, fuck, man, we're, we're going to fail and have to close down. 
there was never that kind of risk. Um, but mentally it was daunting and it started just weighing on me. And I think that's continued on with me throughout 2021. We started really growing again and the numbers just didn't really bring me joy anymore. Like money started coming in and I just, I didn't feel that kind of enthusiasm or excitement like I had. And I'm the, you know, this is probably my naivety again, but if I'm not excited about something, it's really hard to force me to work. Like I got to be driven, you know, inspired, cliche, obviously to get into something. And, um, throughout 2022, we lost our warehouse employee. So I started shipping products because Landon had already moved. So my partner moved out of the town. I started shipping and our lease was up at the warehouse. So I was like, okay, let's find a bigger place to expand into. So I don't want to hire anybody because we're probably going to move our warehouse somewhere else out of my town. And so it's just kind of stuck in this like predicament, like, okay, do I hire somebody temporary then have to fire them? Or do I continue to pack? I continue to pack and I'd be packing eight, 10 hours a day. And just like, I didn't have enough time for design. I didn't have enough time to call and get orders and whatnot. And that just started to really beat me up. And it came to a point where I was like, oh, man, do I really want to continue to do this? Is this, is this something that, you know, I want to pursue and, and grow the company even more. And no, it, it, it wasn't, it started to really weigh on me. And instead of being kind of like the motivational leader I am to our team and our athletes and everybody started to become just like weathered. And I felt that my level of positivity wasn't there anymore. And once that starts impacting me, I know it's going to impact other people around me, regardless if I try to close myself off. And the last thing I wanted to do was impact our team and primarily my family at all. So I didn't want to have a bad day and then that could project it onto them. So I started to assess. I'm like, okay, Chris, you're going in the wrong direction right now. Like, how do you get out of it? And that's when we started uh, just putting the word out there for, you know, potentially selling. And we didn't even really put the word out. Um, Landon had somebody that he talked to said, hey, Chris might want to sell. And then they were just all over it. And that was really kind of the end of that. So we uh, signed the paperwork on, so funny, dude, the irony on Black Friday, because, you know, they totally got a, a steal <laughs> so, on Black Friday, 2022. And uh, it was a difficult process to go through. Like you can imagine um, relating it to like a, a relationship that you've been in for eight years and seen it develop and grow and all the ups and downs and, you know, all the highs and the lows. And uh, reflecting on all that, you know, the week after was pretty tough because you, you go through that kind of uh, self-doubt phase where you're like, did I make the right decision? Am I, you know, should I have stuck this out? And it took me a couple of weeks, you know, if not a couple of months afterwards to really be confident in my decision to sell the company and move on to something else. And what that next step was, I didn't really know. I just enjoyed design and that kind of kept growing by referral. So then I went all into design and doing that for a couple of months, getting a ton of clients and making it to something lucrative, which I didn't really set out to do. It was just a passion of mine to be able to work with people and give them insight into everything I've learned in the industry, kind of like what you guys do with brands. So not just design, but like consulting and helping them out with the direction and, you know, setting them on a good pathway for success. That started growing. And three months ago, uh, new trucks reached out to me. Their uh, head of sales reached out and said, hey, man, we love your designs. Would you want to do our rebrand? And I remember when they reached out, I showed Stephanie. I was like, oh, dude, Nutrix reached out. And I don't even think she know who, knew who they were. But I did because I've been in this industry for such a long time. And I remember selling their Hemo Rage when I worked at GNC when I was 21 years old. 
I was like, oh my God, this is, this is massive. You know, like such a big company reaching out to me. And after working with them for a couple months and after they spent, you know, close to a hundred grand with agencies trying to find the new direction, trying to like get their identity because they hadn't had really an identity, they found that I was able to, to provide that. So after kind of getting the look, the way that everybody agreed upon, the owner reached out and this was just a couple of weeks ago. I was like, Hey man, you've been giving us so much information, really helping us out. We want to give you an offer and it doesn't have to be permanent. It could be part-time kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, gave me an offer that I, I really couldn't refuse. And my wife was right next to me when we listened to the voicemail and she's like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> jump on it. So I didn't expect to work for anybody. I, I didn't particularly want it to work for anybody because I like being my own, you know, doing whatever, how I want. I don't like, I don't like responsibilities. I can make money doing just about anything, but after working with the team and seeing all the assets they had, it was, it was just like, holy shit, they have everything it takes to really grow this brand into something massive. They just, they just didn't have any guidance. There's a lot of competent people with zero guidance. So they're crushing in areas like international. They're one of the biggest international brands. They do really well domestically. You know, anybody watching this, like half of you probably know who they are. The majority might not, you know, and that's, that's my job to change. But, um, yeah, after seeing all of the assets they had and just lacking direction, and then the owner approached me. I was like, you know, let's go all in and make some epic shit. Awesome. Yeah. So um, we had last, we visited the Nutrax facility in early 2018, pre-Ben days and everything. So there's definitely some good history there. I I, I put, I have one last uh, outlive tub back there, the sour gummy flavor, which I've always been all about. Oh, yeah. So there, there's some there's some really good stuff here. I was really impressed with the brand. I was really impressed with the team. I know there's been some turnover since then and everything, um, but yeah, it's a solid facility. And, and, and so just last week, you um, you went to Florida, right? And you got to actually like get there in person and stuff. Yeah, I was there all week and got to meet with everybody on their team. Got to see their facility, and I mean, they have an eighty thousand square foot facility that they own. You know, not many brands could say they own such a big place and it was nice, you know, so it was really impressive, very motivating to see that they have the structures in place to do something really big. And, uh, yeah, so I met with everybody, had a lot of meetings, just meetings. And that's why we didn't do the podcast there. I thought I'd have time, but it was like 10 hour days, just in the office, talking to people, talking to people and structuring everything and sending up everything for, you know, kind of the journey that we're on now. And I get back and I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's really, it's hard for me to conceive everything that's happening simultaneously because I'm still working with clients. I still have a big portfolio that I'm building up. And now I have a responsibility for kind of bringing, you know, for lack of better words, a brand back from the dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> so with, um, so it seems like when you left or when you sold Inspired, a lot of people came calling, like a lot of people didn't want to work with you because you're kind of like owned a com competitor brand perhaps. And then- once you're quote unquote available, then a lot more people were like willing to work with you. Is that kind of like what it was like? Yeah. It's uh, you know, I, I, when I sold the company, I was going to take a couple months off just to kind of be like a lazy piece of shit and really play the guitar, get back into art and do stuff at my own pace. And, um, Rob reached out. So I started working with Apollon and I mean, he, you know, he's given me such a good platform to showcase my abilities and his trust in me has allowed me to grow as an artist. So it's just one relationship with Apollon I'll always be grateful for. But other brands, 
that maybe were apprehensive for whatever reasons. And I could kind of understand thinking I'll steal their IP or something like that, which I wouldn't, but I, I, I get the apprehension started coming out of the woodwork and all of a sudden, you know, working with a couple clients a month, turned into 10 clients, turned into 15 clients. And now it's 20 clients that we have every single month, brand new clients, not old clients, but brand new brands that are launching, not just within our industry, outside of the industry, which is really exciting. And so it started to become to a point where I'm like, I need to build a team. And then that's when I started working with uh, Liz Ritchie, who her Instagram is Ritchie Design. Anybody, you've seen her products all throughout the industry. She does a lot outside, but some of her designs are just the best you're going to see. And I know you guys, you two know who she is too, but started partnering up with her, taking on more clients now, figuring out how to be able to expand this team. So it kind of put me in the situation where I am right now, where it's like, okay, do I, do I sacrifice growing this branding agency to help grow Nutrex, or could I balance it out? And I'll tell you, dude, you know, working 12 hours a day is just not sustainable, <laughs> 12, maybe even 14 hours a day. Some days go to the gym and then I work, you know, until late at night and whatnot. But yeah, doing design for people is just the shit. And eventually, you know, us and Price Plow need to do something because there's going to be some, there is synergy between that. Yeah. I've been wanting to put together a, a little one-stop concierge service for a while. Um, I think that that's, for me, that's something that I've always envisioned in this industry, like a one place that you go to where you can get Chris, you can get Mike, you can get Ben. Um, I, I think that it's been inspiring to see someone like yourself come out into the limelight and be, everyone be okay with it. You know, when I, when I first started consulting, I was worried, um, not that I would, that people thought they thought I would steal artwork, like, like in your case, but just as a person who's known, like having business with multiple different entities can be tough because seems like everyone hates each other in this industry at some at some times. Like there's always some sort of estrogen fuel drama going on and, and being able to navigate that is a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very specific skill set that Chris, you definitely do very well. I, I definitely hope someday I can do it as well as you do. Yeah. You guys are put in such a different situation because, you know, and then being like a news source, you want to be as honest and raw as possible. And at the same time, that makes you extremely vulnerable to other people's critique, which aren't necessarily founded with any logic at all, but you have to deal with that backfire. And one thing I hope that you two maintain is to stay on course and and never adulter your your message to people because of what somebody else might think, because the consumers, our customers, deserve real fucking data. They could discern from themselves after they get that data. It's just like with any national news organization, like their sponsors are going to dictate exactly what they say. I hope you guys stay, you know, like you are now, just raw and honest. Yeah, I always felt like, uh, yeah, I, I always thought felt like, you know, we, we bring up journalistic integrity a lot. I think it's the closest thing to what Price Ball does when people bring that up. But like, it just kind of like with yourself, like um, having a personal brand, uh, I think people relate to that more. And so kind of bringing this full circle is like that that personal brand of who Chris Waldrum is, that is transferable. That goes, if it goes to Nutrex, it still maintains, hopefully, its personal brand status, just like we do, no matter who we work with. And I think that can be a little bit more powerful than, you know, just being an employee at a company. Well, 100%. Yeah. I mean, people people want the honesty and they can see through bullshit faster than ever. And unfortunately, you know, the mechanisms of our industry are just throughout social media are built to be able to call out people. So it's great. You know, the bullshit comes out there, you get buried in it and now you have to go and, you know, pull yourself out of it. So it's better to just not bullshit in the beginning yeah, and be honest, regardless of what feathers you might ruffle. Yeah. And I think that that, 
to me is is much more powerful than just being a news source um like i was saying i think people always default to talking about journalistic integrity or like you know whatever but like being a person and your content or your con contributions being personal like like things that you give to the industry i think is is powerful and i think that means a lot to people you know i we, we definitely we we act as a news source for sure but in many ways uh you know mike and i just feel like people who are trying to get something done here um and so i think of that kind of as a personal mission and i kind of see a similar thing in what you do with art um you know I, i've seen you criticize the industry for for uh designs or lack thereof of designs um and i think it's cool to like i like i think one of the best things that we've done is create um community instead of just throwing news out there um because it's easy to just report on things that are happening and, and just you know continue to go on and on about citrulline and beta alanine and all. it's it's there's nothing wrong with those ingredients but like it it's it's obviously a lot more compelling when we're talking about new things going on or uh, you know, things wrong in the industry or things wrong in regulatory and, and what we think would be better about them. Uh, you know, anyone, anyone could just be a really cool marketing firm, but to be Chris Waldrum, who's trying to get something done with marketing and design, I think is more powerful. With the band, like you said, the power is in the nuance. For sure. That's, my, that's the magic. So, so Chris, I was going to jump in, like, uh, unless Ben, you have anything else, I wanted to jump in and talk about, like, I want you to define... What was Nutrex research for us? And when you're having these conversations with the employees at the brand, like, how does it go? What do they What do they say? What do you think? Like, tell us. Um, first off, educate some of our listeners about about the company itself. But then, like, how does this like the like the brand therapy go? How do you start pulling it out? And how can we? Um, and how like you're using your words? How can we bring it back to life in ways that people want to talk about it and like endear and, and admire it? Yeah. So man, that, that's multiple questions. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah. Who's Dutrex research? Like, <laughs> let's talk about like when they, when you and the employees of the company and the owner, of course, talk about this company, what is this company? Who are they catered to? Like what, what is their, their vision and their dream and their, their statement, you know? Yeah. So that's one thing that we're, that I'm still in the works of identifying, but if you had to boil down, what is Nutrix? Nutrix is a company built by people that really care about what they do to provide the best customer experience. So without getting too far outside of like the brand identity, Nutrix, it's built with real people that, that work their asses off and getting to meet them and seeing that was really motivating to me. And, and that's one thing that hasn't been shown at all. Cause you see Nutrix and like, it's a corporation you know, a successful corporation that doesn't look like it really cares about the consumer. And that isn't the case. They do. And their customer service is phenomenal and talking to them validates that, but I don't see that. And I put myself in other shoes of the consumer and they just see it. They're like, oh, they just, you know, they got some cool products and that's about it, but there's nothing really relatable. So my whole goal is to make Nutrix as transparent as as possible to show people all the inner workings in it that go into this final product and taking people through that journey and just like you guys do this is why i think you offer so much too is just breaking open the machine so you can see all the me mechanistic values that contribute to a whole and that's what i want to do too is just break open a massive corporation and show that's built by real people people that actually care that are contributing a lot of time ensuring the customer experience is the most prioritized thing um so outside of just the identity alone it's just you know showing that transparency and vulnerability of all the inner workings that make Nutrex such a phenomenal company 
it's just been one without kind of any direction or guidance for quite some time now. Okay. And so like, what, what, can you tell us some of the game plan at this point? Like, okay, so you're going to increase transparency and everything. Um, yeah. Do you have any more details behind that? Yeah. So, so, I mean, if you, if you think about Nutrix and I guess I can't say that broadly because some customers that are, some people watching might not even know who Nutrix is. So Nutrix started out as a very like edgy brand. If you go back to like the original Hemorrhage and Lipo 6, and I was back, you know, 20 years ago when I was around, it was all print advertising. Look at the print advertising and you had Dennis Wolf. He's like 260 pounds with zero body fat, just phenomenal physique, not really relatable, you know, and, and the girls they had beautiful ladies, but not really relatable. So they were really built off this hardcore premise of just like in the gym grittiness. So what I would like to do is just bring it to the modern era of having these relatable athletes that are more personable that our customers could identify with while still keeping that edgy, but not cliche appeal. And, you know, and I, not to reference other brands on this, but it's kind of what Redcon One has done really well at where they are an edgy brand, but if you look at their products, the products are efficacious. You know, I, I know a lot of people have their conflicting viewpoints on it, but from an outside perspective, it, it's a very legitimate company. Like their, their product's great. So Nutrix is in the same way. Like it's still gritty. It's still getting inside the gym, trying to optimize your workout, optimize the individual that consumes the products, but having like the most efficacious doses. And I know this is like so played out. I'm not going to say clinically dose, even though I just did. But their products, the products are stacked. And there was a little time period, it was about five years ago when they did the clinical series and they had a post lift. And this is back when like HICA was really big and they had post lift with um, 20 grams of cyclodextrin, two grams of carnitine tartrate and two grams of HICA. And it's just like, holy shit, like that, that never been done. Like if somebody launched that these days, maybe not with HICA, maybe with something else, it would be a dope product, you know, and the same thing with their outlift, the clinical behind you. At the time, it was like, wow, this is this is really advanced. Um, and since then, since they started to really target international more and grow that market and take off their focus of domestically, it's been more, how could you optimize for international, which means like you got to get to the regulation, you have to have a certain price point. So you see the reconfiguring specifically for international because that was their bread and butter, which from a financial standpoint, like if, if you're crushing it there, I, I totally get that. But what happens is domestically atrophy. And every brand will tell you this, your relevance domestically is going to translate throughout the globe. If it's really cool in America, chances are that, you know, United Emirates or somewhere in the Middle East is going to want it too. And since they haven't, there's just so much more potential now. So when they brought me on, they're like, Chris, make us, uh, and I'm totally getting off topic. I'm sorry. Chris, make us relevant domestically. And yeah, anyways, so grittiness, you know, efficacious dosaging awesome flavors and yeah there you go yeah i really wanted to bring up the formulas because it's usually all i talk about but also because at the time nutrex i remember five years ago like during that big craze they were putting out bangers like you know outlift post lift like they were all just big scoops just the right ingredients no bullshit like honestly you bring up the hicka i forgot about that otherwise i really didn't think there were any bells and whistles to nutrex it was like literally just what we know works and cost it was cost effective too like it wasn't like you know jim stepani was charging an arm and a leg for his gummy bear equivalent stuff but like th these products were cost effective and they worked really well and they weren't screaming it from the rooftops it was like almost like a well-kept secret in brick and mortar uh i really thought they were doing a good job but every time i 
Yeah, I remember I, I met you in Su at Sups in Wisconsin. I remember like they've sold a lot of Nutrex. And it was something they were very proud of. Um, and at some point it just became more corporate. And, and it, I mean, not that they stopped doing innovative things. I remember uh, their, their ISO lift was one of the better tasting uh, proteins for a long time. They were using uh, CA Vantage in that to make it nice and creamy. They've done a lot of cool things over the years. But it's funny to me because like those like Outlift itself, I feel would do very well in 2023. Like if you put that on TikTok and showed it to a bunch of in like ingredient kids, yes. like they never talked about it. But if you did talk about it, you know, via TikTok or whatever, I feel like a lot of companies would have liked it a lot. I'm sorry. Well, a lot, a lot of like, like TikTok kids is what I'm basically getting at. It's, it's like this whole obsession with ingredients. Like it's ironic because five years ago, Nutrex would, would that brand then would fit in great right now. Yeah, and that's so it's it's a resurgence, you know, of getting back to kind of the roots and being able to communicate that efficiently. And I mean, how many brands out there right now have amazing formulas? You know, at probably eighty percent have yeah. very high cost of formulas and. Guess what? It doesn't fucking matter because they don't know how to communicate it to people. And you see other brands, I'm not going to mention, but they have okay formulas, but they do extremely well at communicating to their audience and targeting, identifying their audience. So yeah. Nutrix has had all the assets. They just have not had that identity. And it's, it's impossible to start to segment your audience, develop different archetypes or, or characters inside that audience if you don't have your own identity. So on top of like bringing back the formulas, which all the new formulas I, I get to formulate with their head formulator, who's, who's a genius. And I wish he wasn't so soft-spoken because he'd be a really good guy to have on the show. He's, he's phenomenally smart, but all the new formulas are going to be, man, I'm trying not to use any cliche overused words. They're, they're going to be dope-ass formulas that work. They're going to taste good. They're going to make you feel really good. And it's just, it's really getting back to the customer experience. Like how can we, how can we best benefit our customers on multiple flat platforms and not just inside the gym, you know, and really utilizing a lot of what I learned throughout Inspired, transferring over to Nutrex, who has just such a bigger customer base. Yeah, even though so formulas, formulas, sorry, I was going to ask real quickly, Outlift is a flagship pre-workout. Is that sticking or is that going to eventually change? Because I am seeing it here. Ben's, Ben's not going to love this. It's got BCAs in the pre-workout. And I know Ben's it's also got an acetyl-tyrosine. Well, it's it's 150 it. milligrams of it. So, But at the same time, it's got a 3-gram dose of creatine, 8 grams of 2 to 1 citrulline malate, full 3.2 of beta alanine right now, and 2 grams of taurine. So uh, I, I find, first off, there's not that many pre-workouts that have creatine inside anymore. And uh, the, uh, what was I going to say? The taurine dose is kind of ahead of the curve. 350 of caffeine is important to mention as well. And that sour gummy flavor tastes amazing. But um, would love to know. Yeah, with the... And there's a good hit of sodium. 12%. 270 milligrams. Um, anyway, yeah, I was kind of curious to know what the plans were. And that was because, oh, there was sodium bicarbonate in that gummy flavor. I was kind of bringing out the mouthfeel. Um, yeah, so first off, yeah, a lot of people listening here might know of, of Outlift. And so we'd like to hear about that one first. Are you going to be changing? You don't have to like reveal the formula if you don't want to. Yeah, no. So they have two outlifts. They have Outlift Amp and then the Outlift Clinical. So the first launch is going to be Outlift Amp. And I might as well say we're going to launch a, a really cool fat burning free workout. And initially I was like, why, why are you going to do that? Like, is, I don't know if it's going to do well. And we're using a couple really cool novel ingredients. Um, one of them is from Compound Solutions. And 
it might be the the first sports nutrition brand to launch and i know other brands out and outside of our space is going to be utilizing it but it's a really cool ingredient great data behind it super interesting story so it's going to be relaunching the outlet amped and then the fat burning kind of pre-workout and then from there it's going to be kind of modernizing all of the formulas that they have right now um like niox niox used to be a cool formula now they're just using arginine nitrate inside it, which isn't necessarily bad because, you know, I love nitrates and everything, but we're going to be in a really cool spin to that. Isofit, Isofit, I didn't even know how good it was until they sent me out a package oh, yeah. a few, a couple months ago. Isofit is one of the best tasting proteins I've ever had. Like, I was surprised because I didn't, my expectations were low. They sent me stuff and I was like, okay, I know I'm going to have to rebuild everything. So, you know, I'm expecting a swing and a miss. I tried it. And I called Manny because it had a cells. I was like, holy shit, bro. The strawberry is ridiculous. It was really freaking good. So I was like, okay, the protein's locked on. Awesome. You know, and uh, they used to have a lot of real estate on shelves with their protein. And then protein prices went up, obviously. Everybody's protein prices went up. It went up so much that, you know, I, I cut off Protein Plus and Inspired because I couldn't justify selling a product just exponentially higher to my consumer. I was like, hey, just go buy it from Costco at this point. I, I don't want to feel like I'm ripping anybody off. But now the protein prices are really good. Their volume on their protein is, it's ridiculous. Like if you saw how much protein they sell, it's like a holy shit moment. So they get really good pricing. So we're going to expand out the the protein line. The EAAs, we're going to be updating the hydration aspect of it because I think there's a lot of dope EAAs, but they kind of underdose the electrolytes, trace minerals kind of thing. So ours is going to be very robust where it could be a hydration formula in itself. And then getting into... The more complex stuff, it's going to be kind of like the anabolic stuff. They have a product called Anabol right now, and it does really well on Amazon. Like it's, I can't believe how much they're selling on Amazon and brick and mortar, like not even just brick and mortar, but you know, um, vitamin chop or GNC, it's, it's non-existent. So it's going to be modernizing everything in the spin, you know, to the people that are watching, you can go look at the inspired products, modernizing in a way that I did to those formulas where it's not just going on examine and picking out like a handful of things and just doing the quote unquote clinical dose it's configuring them in a way that's going to be you know have an entourage effect or synergistic with each other but also tells a very cool story so when you look at the label it's interesting you don't see the exact same things partnered up with each other there's some unique elements in there that are in you know intriguing to the customer which is it's so important with formulas and you guys know this too, is, you know, the formula is another chance to be able to tell a story of a product, not to just make something that's going to work because that's the ultimate goal. You don't want to be selling, you know, snake oil, but having a formula where it's like, oh man, that's really interesting. And well, how these two elements really play off of each other and why there's no redundancies inside here, you know, we're not, we're not using like L-Dopa with tyrosine or something like I see everybody do and they could compete with each other. And so using little things like that and, uh, you know, it's tough launching with the pre-workout because it's so saturated. But when you guys see the formula, it's I, it, for what we what I can do, which is another thing I'll get into. It's it is as developed as I could get. And second part to that, what I can do, they wouldn't let me use citrus orontium. They wouldn't let me use like anything. So the owner is very strict with uh, all ingredients. The edgiest ingredient we use is uh, alpha-lohimbi. You know, the raw saying and whatnot like that, but. Everything outside of that. So, I mean, technically you could consider us being close to like every product compliant, I think. It's an interesting thing on compliance. And I think this is something that people need to realize is that as these brands scale to higher levels, they have a higher level of risk. 
And while some people may hear Chris say that they wouldn't let him use citrus orontium and they're like, you know, oh, that's bullshit. We should be able to take whatever we want. This is a common occurrence. And people don't realize that, you know, was it with great power comes great responsibility, you know, with, with, with his financial with, responsibility. Yeah. I mean, as, as you distribute more, your risk goes higher and, and mm-hmm. using these stimulants, which, you know, I, I, I believe citrus orontium is fully compliant and legal, but there is a certain amount of risk with starting to use more exotic stimulants. Uh, and obviously this is a rather not exotic stimulant compared to other things that Chris might work with, but um, with the amount of the distribute, Mike and I have even spoken about like even just so much as putting niacin in a product is a big risk because when you're selling it through distributors, brick and mortar, brokers, all sorts of stuff, it's getting to hands that you are not in direct uh, conversation with. And there can be plenty of quote unquote adverse reactions that maybe they just don't understand that could be normal reactions to an ingredient. And so maybe they're trying to, you know, stay away from all risk and and have a very safe opportunity and, and uh, experience for these consumers. And that to tag on that, that makes sense because, yeah, Chris maybe was at a low risk of getting inspired nutraceuticals, Chris, at a low risk of getting a warning letter on DMHA, Nutrax Research much larger company, I believe they may have gotten a warning letter on TMAA a long time ago. So that right there, I'm sure the owner um, said no more. And Citrus Rontium, uh, the higher of standardization you go, the closer you get towards like pure synephrine, the, 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 the higher the risk is. So I understand that. At the same time, we continue seeing the same the same pre-workout over and over and over. So like there are some other ingredients. There's not going to be like amp citrate, you know, but there are other ingredients that can like spice it up a little bit. So like, I'm hoping that what we could do is at least, and I'm saying we, I'm just getting to throw myself in this project now. So like, but I'm hoping like we can get, uh, at least like one unique novel ingredient. That's a little bit of a differentiator for the ingredient geeks out there. Obviously that won't sell to every, you know, every Joe six pack at the gym, uh, that's rocking the bench press or anything, but for us early adopters and us people who love to talk about this stuff, we do need to see something kind of novel and then, um, and then let you do your magic on the brand side. So that's kind of like what I'm thinking. Yeah, so I think a, a highlight out of AMP, besides having doses that everybody's going to be able to guess, um, which I told them, I'm like, hey, dude, let's let's cut citrulline. Anyways, three ingredients that are going to have a great effect in combination with each other. Um, we have three grams of tyrosine, not acetyltyrosine. We have 600 milligrams of alpha-GPC and 100 milligrams of cognatic, and that's on top of other I guess the only other stimuli we have in there is caffeine and, and Yohimbi, but other ingredients that are also going to kind of, you know, give you that overall experience. So for what it is, it's, it's going to be a really cool comprehensive pre-workout. I mean, really like three grams of tyrosine with alpha GPC, please don't break it down until we launch this. Wait, wait, wait a year before you guys go. (laughs) People that aren't watching this, watch the video that they just posted anyways. And plus the, you know, what it, what it used to be called neurofactor, you know, and we had an FSU, two grams of tyrosine, hundred milligrams of neurofactor, then 500 milligrams of lion's mane. And people, people loved it. They were just like, oh my God, you know, pump product with a nootropic or focus, you know, formula in there. So this is going to be, it's not a super high stem product. There's 350 milligrams of caffeine inside of it. So it's not going to blow your head off or anything, but for the the normal person, which I would kind of categorize myself in that, that wants to have a comprehensive, good focus, good feeling pre-workout, it, it really is going to check off all the boxes. Chris, you're not normal. 
<laughs> we have a, we have a really cool hydration blend in there too, which I, I think it's so funny. Like when I started developing FSU, that was like I remember I was at the Olympia and Doug Miller was there, and I was trying to get into his stores, and I meet him. He's like, "Oh, I know Inspire." I showed him the formula. He's like, "Jesus Christ, those are like fourteen dollar cost of goods," and that just shows you where the industry was at that time because fourteen dollars was high, and now fourteen dollars is like, man, you got to steal. Is that cheap? You know. It's, Let's push up the barrier to $19 and see what we get out of it. Anyways, um, I remember showing him and he was just like, oh my gosh, like, dude, this is really dope formula. And since then, formulas have just gone exponentially more advanced. And I love it because, you know, this is this is capitalism, man. This is the competitive edge. You see somebody pushing the limit and I think there's a tasteful way to do it. And I think a lot of brands are just, it's a complete race to the bottom, not doing it for necessarily their customers. But um, yeah, anyway, I got totally off topic there. Sorry. Everybody listening, squirrel. Ben, you are going. I have, I have more to. No, I'm not. This is funny. The only thing I that stuck in my head from that was that he called it cognatic, and I've been wondering for a long time how you say that word because uh, Future Shooticals doesn't speak to us after I debunked S seven. And uh, <laughs> sorry, Mark Sally isn't there anymore, so I can make more jokes. Uh, <laughs> I, I called them the other day, though, because I was asking you about, just so everyone knows, there is a uh, all-natural organic neurofactor, neuro uh, but they pronounced it cognitique. It, I was know. actually, that's how I had it in my head. Yeah, I thought that was just completely wrong, though. It's cognitique. Like, the the emphasis <laughs> is on the end. And I was so funny, I had like this like whole like couple-minute discussion with the guy, like, oh, that's so cool, that's how you say it. I had no clue. He didn't know who I was when I called, so. Now, now we're going to, now, <laughs> I think. Whatever the majority of the populace calls it is, is what it's actually supposed to be. I love that. Ass. Well, you know, I, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, this isn't a Neurofactor podcast or whatever, but like they had a the Neurofactor is a great name. They had a cool name. I would I would love to know what they're thinking because why would you kill one really strong and cool branded ingredient and force people on their new products to name it this other thing that no one knows? How will I even pronounce it? Like that to me, that's that's a branding like failure at all levels. Um, like I'm sure there might be a legal reason or something, but yeah. that's just my my outside perspective is they went from an awesome thing to something you don't even know how to pronounce. These are the same people that ran a study on elderly people that weren't working out and claimed like two hundred and twenty percent increase in nitric oxide. That's all studies have been. If if you go to any study, and we're not we don't have to get into this, but every study has holes. Like tell me one study that is fucking flawless. Uh, University of Arkansas, uh, citrulline and nitrogen. I have no clue. I, <laughs> that's just the only one I like, came to head where I was like, oh yeah, the alpha GPC study. Well, yeah. yeah. If, you, if, you, if you give me a study that wasn't backed by somebody with financial interest, I'll believe it 10x over anything else. University of Arkansas, uh, nitrogen. Nutrition 21 didn't even know how they got the raw material to run the study, which I thought was rather concerning that they didn't know the supply chain getting there, but there, it, it it does happen very infrequently, and it's almost never happening in supplements without any sort of backing, for sure. Yeah, and that's with any study, though, right? Yeah, okay, so yeah. To, we're talking about branded ingredients and everything, and some cool stuff you want to formulate in. We're talking about, like, high cost of goods. As the as the, the cost of goods get, get bigger and bigger, the, and as, as it stands right now, the U.S. dollar is still relatively strong. You have a big international audience. <laughs> Yeah, Here we go. Right now, hello from the future, oh. where uh, we are now buying 
dog food for our children. Uh, no, I'm kidding. So we're, anyway, we're on the second hour of the podcast. We're about to move. <laughs> we're almost. We're, you can see everybody like we're veering off, but I'm trying to like I'm trying to keep this business sense. So okay, you have a large international audience. The U.S. dollar is still strong. Fourteen dollar cost of goods or whatever it is. Like that's that's cool here right now for an hour or whatever. But like you have, uh, you know, I I I presume there's a pretty strong Latin American um audience and, and customer base where you they can't afford 40 you know 50 dollar us dollar pre-workout for the most part so does what is what is the plan with that you have this international base do you split off into two different product kind of groups or what do you what is the plan there yeah that's that is really tough and mm-hmm. i didn't even know like the numbers but and this is coming from our international and i believe it's in mexico like the average monthly salary is like 150 dollars and you, you know you're selling a pre-workout the store sell it there for like 50 to 60 dollars so now you're talking about like 33 percent of your income is going to one product so how how is that even possible and a lot of these countries will sell it by the scoop you know because they can't afford the whole container but to go back to it and that's that's one difficult thing how do you formulate with such strict parameters because these products do have to do well internationally too and um so far Nutrex with their buying volume, they do get really good pricing. Like now I get to see what it looks like when you get 50, a hundred thousand units kind of thing. Whereas with Inspired, we get like 5,000 units or something. So that does help quite a bit, but you're right. As we're formulating these products, you know, how could you make it cohesive with international? And that's why you don't see a lot of these other brands do well internationally because their cost of goods are way too high and, you know, maybe they're not smart enough to pivot, but so with these newer products. It's going to be, then this is where a lot of the, I, I think learning lessons is going to be, how do, how do we grow domestically and maintain internationally? There's a couple of products that do very well internationally that we're not going to change at all. It's, you know, don't fix it if it's not broken kind of thing. But with the newer products, since our focus is on domestic, we're not giving as much thought to international. There's still going to be a lot of back in there. Is it going to be as high as maybe if I went like 50% less cost of goods? Of course not, you know, and the products that do well down there are like insane labs and they, they, I can't believe how much they're selling, but I heard their volume. I was like, geez, good for them. Anyways. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what you got to compete against and it's impossible to do that. And nobody gives a shit about the robust formula. Nobody gives a shit about anything efficacious. It's just, you know, a thousand milligrams of caffeine and that's going to do extremely well. So with the new products and bringing me on, my sole focus is just how do we become relevant? domestically and the only way that you could do that is providing a quality product and the majority of at least your audience all of your audience the majority of the populace now kind of knows what a quality product is and thank god because everything's transparent so anybody could just go online and type in x ingredient and see is this remotely close to the efficacious dose it is okay now they get some sort of validation so it's primarily just focusing on the domestic market how to be able to you know penetrate back into a category where we've lost so much ground. And the only way to do that from a product standpoint is to have something that, that really looks good on paper and then obviously transfers over to training. So I have, I have a question that is, um, it's a, it's a, what if based off what you just said. So let's set, set the scene. It is, this is true that Chris has now become relevant in America again with, with Nutris research. Um, we are not yet eating dog food yet. The dollar is still decently strong. Uh, if you, if you can follow along, if this sounds real, six weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully this is, uh, things are stable. It's two years later. Nutrex research is, uh, 
is alive and well. I don't know who the president is. That's relevant to the question. But uh, you've you've now become relevant again. You're doing well. You have cash flow in America, and you want to start looking towards international. Um, you made you you brought up a really interesting point that in in my travels outside of the U.S. for supplements, we found that people don't make a lot of money, so they can't be buying super expensive pre workouts. Um, and it's also true that uh, in the same way that Cuba lags behind us in car technology, this is the dietary supplement industry in all of Latin America as well. If you go down there, you see Optin Nutrition, you see. Uh, you know, dimatize. You see brands that are legacy here, considered to be BPI. legacy. BPI, yeah. You see like legacy brands here that you know most people have kind of moved on from, uh, but used to be very, very popular. They're kind of still in their prime in these other countries, and it's really difficult to bring out anything innovative to that area. Do you think it's possible to have Latin America? specific innovation do you think that you can go there and communicate to these people not necessarily these things are popular in america but do you think you can go to those markets and change those markets yeah i mean it's just like with any other evolutionary plane it's it's inevitable it's just what does that time frame look like yeah um i think because my, well, my question is kind of like skipping the part where it happens in america and then happens in latin america it, can chris walter because you have you have a good pull in in in, in uh, Latin America and everything. Would it would it be possible? Would it even be a good idea to try to capitalize on that down there? I think the engagement needs to start here, you yeah. know. And to go back to like the other countries, like the brands that you just named, or they're the conglomerates being on top would be Optimum Nutrition, Glambia. They are the ultimate kingpin that nobody will ever be able to touch. And I, and I say that just knowing the numbers, it's just yeah. it's ungodly, like cartel level numbers. Good for them. They worked hard for it and they have absolutely no reason to innovate anymore because they're just they're solidified in that place but what happens when these people become complacent because they're used to the food being on their table people like me come in like i did with inspired and start innovating and that is going to bleed over into international so once we start the game plan here and grow our value and our customer base that is going to transfer worldwide and it's going to happen just like it did in 2014 15 16 where there's going to be a really big push for growth. And now the customers are going to look at these other products and they're going to vet them and say, why don't you have this? So it's going to be a responsibility of now these other companies to play catch up. If you have to play catch up, you've already fucking lost because you've been replaced. I don't know if that's going to happen to Optimum or Dimatize, but there's a couple other big you know, ones out there that I won't mention that I think, you know, their time is definitely limited, but it, it has to start in America. I don't think you could reverse engineer that and just you know, influence them to be able to buy something that's much more expensive right now. Yeah. Cause I, I see a lot of this happening in America. Yes, we do absolutely see a, a an evolution of the protein size pre-workout where, you know, everything is growing like crazy, but I also see a couple brands really focusing on synergy. And this is something that you and I have always, well, we have always talked about these podcasts. Uh, I see that happening sometimes. And I, I wonder if that's the answer to these yeah, you know, like we we talk about the dwindling amount of money that these consumers can pay overseas. What if we need to focus on that synergy for those markets so that we can bring mm -hmm. a better product at a lower price point so that these lower income countries can afford that? Yeah, no, break it into more digestible dollar amounts, right? Instead yeah. of having a $60 product, have two $30 products. So maybe yeah. you could buy one to get you that. And if you want to expand upon, you have the opportunity. And you're right. I mean, I, I think that's where America should be going, you know, but unfortunately just got a dick measuring contest and everybody wants to see that protein scoop and i'm like well if you go back 20 years ago everything was a fucking protein scoop so you guys are just playing catch up 
Yeah. So like innovating on something that's going to benefit the customer. You're just putting more ingredients in there. Like, come on, you know, I don't have to get into this, but I'm like, I don't know, you know, 30 grams of ingredients might not all absorb into your body. I don't know. I, I very much have related to when you said that you're just a normal guy before in regards to pre-workout. Like at this point, I really like just knowing that what I'm taking is going to be enough to improve the quality of my workout. And I don't need 35 grams to do that. Um, you know, in a lot of cases I, I get told by commenters all the time that the things that I take are underdosed and outdated. And, uh, you know, I, I need 12 grams of citrulline to maintain a pump at all. Um, and it, and it seems to me like I, I, I very much relate to this, just like bring it down, uh, and focusing on a few key factors, you know, like I really like a couple ingredients that work well for me. I don't need a NASCAR sponsored side of, of a, a pre-workout anymore. I, I just need a couple things that'll improve. And that money can be used a lot better for that company then. 100%. 100%. Like, you know, I'd love to go back to the EAS days where they had like phosphogen. I know I've mentioned that before, but it was like four ingredients that were loaded and the shit fucking worked, guys. You know, having these uh, 30, 40 ingredient formulas, I don't know. And the thing is with any of these like compositions, there's no studies that show any of these ingredients working with each other or what it has on a cancellation effect or anything like that. So the more you put in there, to me, it's just kind of like a negative redundancy. Is it really working or are you just charging more for a fucking product that does the exact same as something a third of the cost? Yeah, I consistently uh, see this and, and, and wonder, you know, I, I like I like a couple different things and, I, and, and every here and there I can get down with like, you know, three grams of tyrosine that was unheard of a couple years ago. Uh, you know, we, we got told a couple months ago when we talked about someone who had 10 grams of it, that it was going to blow people's brains out or something. I, I think tyrosine is quite safe and fun, honestly, but for the most part, uh, I, I don't think we need all that much. So I guess, uh, with all that said, something that I forgot to bring up for before that I wanted to transition to, because I think this part is probably, guys are probably done with is we talked about transparency with companies, uh, how transparent is Nutrix willing to be with this kind of stuff? Because obviously you come on our podcast and you speak about it, but is this is going to be seen through the content as well? Absolutely. And I mean, this, this is my job. So from the day that I started, like it's all on me. So everybody watching this, like Nutrix from here forward is going to be a reflection of, of who I am. And I've, I've always been honest with everybody to my demise, obviously I've ruffled a lot of feathers and you know, a lot of people love me. A lot of people hate me. But I am who I am and I'm always going to be this way. So, you know, Nutrix is going to become the embodiment of what I've stri strived to do throughout my entire career is just offer this connectivity and this, this level of insight to the deeper workings of everything that goes into what we do. And, you know, something like somebody is doing a really good job now too, on, from an art perspective is Nutramedia, TK and his team. I want to do that a lot with supplementation. Um, I, I mean, I even want to talk about the cost of goods, cost of kilograms and i know we're going to get there eventually because that's the next evolutionary plane to say like hey citrulline right now is 12 dollars a kilo or whatever you get it for you know so that means that this costs that much like eventually i want to get into an itemized cost to show people everything so they just to build trust you know that's that's my biggest goal with matrix and going to be the biggest hurdles how do you gain trust again with a community that you've lost and uh you know that's my uphill battle Mm -hmm. The good news is you didn't lose trust. You you kind of lost a, a lot of the audience, or the audience became older, and a lot of people stopped, you know, training or whatever, disappeared from the industry. Um, so how it's not like anything bad happened. So the way you said that, I would kind of rephrase it like you don't need to regain trust. But so that's a good thing. You don't have 
there's not like some deadly skeleton in the closet. Like no one no. At, no. at all, really, as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, there's that, you know, what, a 2012 DMAA warning letter that everyone got. No one cares about that. So it is, um, yeah, no, as far as I'm concerned and what I've seen even five years ago, it's an extraordinarily clean and successful company with an owner who wants to do things absolutely right and has for a very long time. So I, I think it's that's going to be a not an easy message to convey, but it's not going to be like a forced message or a a message that's a lie or anything. So, no, it's just it's getting out to everybody. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing because there's so much white noise. There's just there's so much information. People are inundated with information every single day. So to be able to capture somebody's attention and being able to get across that message is so much more difficult than it ever has been. Will we see transparency in terms of manufacturing? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something that is like a, a, a kind of like a wild conversation where people want to ask like, oh, you know, where are you made? Because now consumers think they know something like, you know, they want to bring up like NutraCap or like- That's the like, best. They've heard like one story from one person and like now they think they know the difference between contract manufacturers. They think they know what, uh, you know, GMPs are and stuff like that. And I- there's been a bunch of different people that have had really good takes on it. You know, I really enjoy like Ben Hartman and Drew Peters are like, absolutely not. I won't tell you because it took me 10 years to get my relationships in manufacturing and that's not something I'll give away. And then there's people like ghosts that like literally take it, take you for a tour of their facility. Um, there's even people like Glaxon who manufacture it themselves and we've never seen one picture posted ever of the blind that makes it, you know, like there's, there's people all over the spectrum of whether or not they're interested in sharing that. Yeah, that's that's difficult, right? Because, you know, obviously Ghost would because they're working with one of the biggest manufacturers that has ever existed. So if I had an automation line that was worth a billion dollars, whatever it is, like I'd take you in there any fucking day because it's like Elon Musk did the factory. <laughs> you know, there's other people that can't afford that kind of level. Like it might not be as transparent because they might feel it reflects them in a negative light, even, even though it may not. But if the consumer doesn't know how to discern the manufacturing, they might take it in a negative way. And then that reflects to the brand too. So you do have to be careful, you know, how you navigate that. I wouldn't have a lot of journalistic integrity if I did follow that up by telling you they were the first customer of Armada before they were big. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It, it, being able to show Armada is uh, not a cheap novelty in itself because you're able to show off, like like you said, the Gigafactory for sure. Um, but I've also found that with, you know, again, with that ranking comes more risk The as you grow, you become a bigger dot on the FDA's radar and maybe posting pictures of your facility isn't the best idea because maybe someone pulls down their face mask halfway through the video and you, you know, you see someone like, you know, and with an infraction that, you know, it was, it, it was well intended, but then you end up with risk. Right. And yeah. so I never, I never fault people for not wanting to talk about their manufacturing because I actually really b believe Ben's side of it as well. Like you, we work hard for these relationships, you know, like outside of label design, like Chris, you work in a decent amount of uh, brokering with manufacturing. So it can be difficult to, you know, give that away because for some people, they feel they've really built a relationship that's, that's valuable. I used to feel that way too, but I mean, no, nobody could come in in one day or even a year or even a few years and, and get the same kind of pricing that a brand took for 15 years that's just that's not going to happen yeah and especially these days with brands like you know i work with so many they got a tough man and their pricing is dog shit you know no terms maybe no terms for the two first two years you know 50 down 50 on so it's just unrealistic to think that somebody's going to be able to just go and 
integrate directly in like they built. So I don't think that's really a good argument there. Um, but with transparency, with not just manufacturing, like I want to show transparency throughout like our marketing team, throughout the financial team, throughout the warehouse team, just to show how much of a family unit it is, because that speaks volumes to, again, how much do we care about the end consumer? How much time is going into making sure their experience is our, is our priority? So manufacturing, yes, I, I think that's good for validation, but for the, the openness of showing like what's integrated into getting that final product. I think that holds value to the consumer too. Yeah, I love that. I think I personally don't feel that I buy products from companies. I buy products from people or, you know, especially like when we support brands with price cloud, like marketing 101. Yeah. Ben, yeah. you should charge for that. You shouldn't charge everybody listening right now. Ben just gave you a, a golden nugget. 50 bucks. Yeah, a lot. I give a lot, a lot of those away. I, th I think we, I think all three of us here give away a lot of those, to be honest. I have some, yeah, I have some more nuggets. I've written down notes of things we're going to catch up on. So, <laughs> <laughs> but well, one, like one, uh, criticism that M Mike had for me in my videos was like, I'd be talking about inspired and I'd be talking about Chris, Like, here's a really great, I want to, I want to show this off for a second on the back of the new, uh, inspired protein. There's a little <laughs> Chris Waldrum. I don't know if you saw this, Mike, but that's Chris in his suit from his wedding. I remember, um, but like, I would say that like, Hey, like here, here's Chris or like you know, one thing I like about Chris and the way he does this, like, and Mike could be like, someone just watched your video. They don't know who the fuck Chris Waldrum is, which is totally true because like, I'm trying to get, like, we have, you know, X amount of followers, but I'm trying to get this video to X times 50. Like, so that transparency, like that matters to people. And I think people want to know more. Uh, if that's one thing I've learned like in the last couple of years about like w the community that we've create created and stuff is like. People watch our podcast and like, wow, I'd like to hang out with Chris Waldrum. You know, like that, like that matters to a lot of people. I think so. Absolutely. I, I, with regards to that, like where I didn't understand that I, I actually learned when Blackstone Labs is in its heyday and Aaron and PJ were buying, you know, renting Ferraris and Lambos and all that stuff. I couldn't believe how people are still like supporting the, the company just because like, I don't. I would want a discount. This is price plow coming in, you know? I'd be like, well, okay, if they can afford to buy Lambos or even rent Lambos, then they're charging me too much for my selling. That was what, like my my you know tech geek Mike price plow thinking was was at. Whereas I didn't realize that, uh, and I kind of learned at that moment that actually people were happy to support them because that was like their people. And like if you put yourself out there, you're gonna find your people. And the Lambo people are obviously going towards Blackstone Labs. They also had some other products in the market that may have contributed to it. But it's like um I, I realized though that you put yourself out there, people know you're gonna profit a little bit as a company. It's the whole plan, but they want to know who the person is that's gonna take this this money and what are they gonna do with it, you know, to a degree. And if they're disgusted by what they're doing with it, then they're not gonna support your company. So and if they like you a lot, if they know that like you like to plant trees and stuff, I I like to plant trees too. Then we have some synergy together and now I'm getting hooked into you as well as the product and the company. So I, I that's one thing I learned from Aaron and PJ, whether um I agreed with it or not, didn't matter. It's like it kind of in there, it kind of worked in that favor. So that's a, uh, that's uh, yeah. that's something that we'd like to see a little bit. And I hope, I honestly do hope that Nutrex isn't buying Lambos and Ferraris, but if you do, then you got to do you, man. Yeah, no, I, I mean, no offense, but I think that's like a, a rap culture mindset to portray yourself as something that you might not be at that moment, but perception creates reality. And then that manifests into it. And I, I understand all that. It's never been who I am. And as I've acquired items or gotten nice things, I never like to show people because 
when I didn't have these items, there would be times where I'd look at people with assets and I would, it would make me feel a certain way. And maybe it would make me feel like I'm being taken advantage of if I support that individual too. So I could, I could definitely see both, both sides of the spectrum, but Nutrix is making a lot of freaking money and, and the owner is absolutely, you know, loaded, loaded. And my first conversation was with him when I pulled up, he was outside in his new car, which is just gorgeous. And it, was, it really struck me. No, it wasn't right. <laughs> well, you can get it. You get it from I've been like cheese ball. I'm out. You know. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a really nice car. And he's like, "Hey, Chris, I don't want I don't want this vehicle to be a reflection of who I am because I'm not flashy." And then I was talking to Manny, and he's like, "Dude, the owner was driving this. You know, it was a decent car for like forever. Drove the wheels off of it, and they had to like." push them, you know, yens, yens, get a fuck, it's something dope, man. You you know, you're doing really well, like reward yourself. And he was so hesitant. And when he did, it was, it, that conversation is always going to stick with me too. He's like, Hey, I don't want any kind of materialism reflecting as who I am as an individual. And that really motivated the shit. It made me trust him a lot more too, because like, I don't want to, I don't want to be with any, even if you're loaded, I don't want to see you spending money obnoxiously. Like I want it to be strategic and going back into the company, growing the company, doing, you know, like I said, back to the customer experience, like let's put into that, let's do something. And that's exactly how he was. And I was like, oh, dude, I could, I totally vibed with him at that moment. And it kind of sold me. Chris also bought a TRX a couple of years ago. So I, <laughs> that I never show anybody. <laughs> you, you, I think you had like one really good post where you're like thankful for the fact that you were able to do that. I, I respect that. I, I'm not, I'm not a flashy person either. I, I, I don't care, honestly. Like I, I, I I mean, I'm definitely materialistic in other ways. I think there are some things I'll spend a lot of money on, but cars are not it for me. I really enjoy my, uh, I have a normal Ram, you know, like I, I don't have the, 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 the ridiculous heavy, but I, it's funny. I, I was reminded of that time that Blackstone bought the front of the Olympia. Remember when they bought like the giant vinyl thing? <laughs> but and their photo on it. Yeah. What? Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I think Aaron posted about it like about a couple of like weeks ago, actually. And he was like, this kind of backfired. Like, it kind of like, I, I, I think that those people that do that kind of stuff have best intentions because honestly, there's a huge hustle culture. I get that. I don't identify with that at all. Like, I know that half of them are rented. You know, I, 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 we know, we all know these kinds of things. And I don't know. I, Maybe I maybe I, I just don't really care for exotic cars, but for a long time that stuff turned me off to people. You know, like if that's the stuff you're posting, like I don't like that. Um, but there's been a different resurgence of that, I think, in our industry. Like Dom, my Acophone owns like fucking like eight exotic cars and he flips them and stuff. And but like that's a person that like you know, if he owns what how however many more businesses than he owns exotic cars, like do what you want to do with your money for sure, hundred percent. But I think it, a lot of the time it comes down to how how you show it as well. And I think that was one thing that stuck with a lot of people. It's, it's like the gaudiness. Like if you hadn't, yeah. if you hadn't gone to Nutrex Research's headquarters, would you have known that that guy owned a really nice car? You know, like it's not all over his Instagram. And I think that is probably a little bit more of a determinant for how I feel about people rather than whether or not they own something. It's how they show it. Yeah. Like I'm all about stacking cash, you know, maybe not cash, maybe gold and silver and ammo right now. Yeah, but I'm all about like making <laughs> as much, you know, like make yours, dude. Fortune and glory. I'm all about that. I think the way that you portray yourselves could either be inspiring to people or, you know, it, to not motivate them and, and maybe have a negative impact. So I always think yeah. about like I, I don't care what people think about me, but I I always think about how I portray myself. Is it impacting people negatively? And I take that very seriously. For sure. I, and I also, 
I also think cars are kind of like uh, the dick joke of like, you know, showing your money. Like, <laughs> uh, like plenty of other people would see, uh, uh, Chris, you got like, what, five guitars behind you? Those are nice. I know you got a, a nice collection of guitars. Like, some people will understand that. Or like, I'm sure it, it was a decent penny to put that much ink on yourself. Like, like people see things or show things in different ways. And I think cars are just kind of the obvious way to do it. Like every single person knows a Ferrari is expensive, right? Like it doesn't, like, I don't even know. I have no concept of how much that costs, but you know what it means for a lot of people. So yeah, the, the rich people deal with watches, you know, I'll, I'll be around people with a hundred thousand dollar watch or quarter million dollar watch. And I'm like, Jesus. Okay, I would, even if I was super loaded, I have a couple of nice watches, but I don't think I could ever wear, you know, a small house on my wrist. That That's just a little beyond me. My understanding is they also resell really nicely too. So they, they obtain the value. If, if you get them used, yeah, they could be a good heirloom, which is what I've done kind of with my guitars and watches. Just keep them and they just sit there. Yeah, for sure. As the dollar goes down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Mike has a few more product questions to pull us back. Uh, yeah, I don't want to pull back if uh, if we're getting going. But one one thing, I, if we're talking about new tracks, we do need to really at least quickly talk about Lipo Six. I'm in my back end of our <laughs> system here. Lipo Six is the fat burner that just it crushes. I assume still crushes. I've had I've had 31 products in our system since capturing new track stuff um, that have the words Lipo Six in it. So everything from Lipo Six original fat burner, Lipo Six Black. You got hardcore you got bcaa intense like what tell me what, what are you going to do with all this lipo six you're going to continue doing this or are you going to and are you going to keep that original fat burner formula or do, what are this <laughs> how has that been discussed and how how much of a nightmare is this going to be for us to manage on the back end over here <laughs> yeah man lipo lipo six is it's new is conglomerate like it, it is a massive massive mover and um it's definitely the elephant in the room so that's going to be one of the products that are just going to sit as is temporarily as we start building out the performance side. Um, because real, really it's like I have it and their, uh, hydroxy cut they're both their own entity. They all, they each have their own story and each are uniquely successful. So there's not like, fuck did I, um, you know, I'm not even getting into it anyways. I'm not really going to touch the lipo six because it is doing exceedingly well and I'm not going to, you know, jeopardize anything on that end but yeah there's going to be some other fat burning powders that aren't going to be called lipo 6 that are going to be very very cool and uh this is where i mentioned using some nnv stuff but they kind of gave me free reigns and the cost of goods is a little bit higher but it, it's going to be one of those holy shit products where you're like wow everybody would be, really be into this um you too especially but lipo as is let it do well. It's crushing, making everybody a lot of money. We're just gonna let it let it ride. Lipo Six is a is a funny product because uh, I think I have a video called Ben Kane and the Mystery of the Proprietary Blend or something, and I basically go into Lipo Six. They they sent me one with the proprietary blend. I think I requested they didn't send me it so I wouldn't do the video, but they wanted it, so I did it, and it became like a video about like how to look at a proprietary blend and use the you know, what was it? Context clues we learned in like middle school English where you look at the other parts of the sentence to try to figure out what the word meant. <laughs> and it worked. Like, That's a good it, metaphor. That's well, because you think about like, like if creatine, if caffeine's in the middle of the blend and it'll tell you how much caffeine is there. So then you know how much more there is of other things possibly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's spelled too well for whatever that product. Dude, yeah, this I, I didn't. I forgot about this video. It's got thirteen thousand views. Oh, people love it because I, yeah. I, I, thank you. I, I think I'm pretty sure I SEO that for proprietary blood because it well, at yeah, least was educational. Better than, yeah, better the mystery of the proprietary blend. New Trek Lipo Six Hardcore. Yeah, I tried to make it like a little uh, you know Harry Potter educational video, but. Uh, <laughs> To touch on that, like super quick on proprietary, and I've been saying this for a while now, it hasn't happened, but I promise it is going to happen. Proprietary blends are going to come back, but they're going to be backed by a study. It's going to be exactly how like a couple of the ingredients that Hector Lopez created. They're going to be efficacious, but you don't know what the fuck the ratio is in there. It's a guess. But you know it's backed by study or studies, so it's been validated. That's going to come back to our industry. like As the regulatory ramps up, and starts literally like cutting so many brands. And like, if you're a brand owner watching this, like the regulatory coming down the line is it's going to be catastrophic for a lot of people. Good and bad. It for the, a while. The, the entry level is going to be non-existent. It's going to be put up to a level where, you know, it's not going to be achievable by the majority of people out there. But anyways, what that's going to do, since there's only going to be so many ingredients that we could utilize, they're going to be put into proprietary blends, but backed by a study to show you that it does X, Y, Z and promoters as such. So mark my word. What do you guys think? Right, let's, it's going to go there. That's the only I, way left to this. I, I honestly don't have a problem with proprietary blends in this kind of situation where it is something that makes sense and there's a study published on it. Um, we've ironically had a, we had a call out last week on this product called Zendurance, where it's a five gram uh, proprietary blend of magnesium oxide and calcium carbonate. And they were claiming that it increased like power output and lowered lactic acid and all this stuff and it was like well this is clearly bullshit but uh there are like obviously like uh i want to say legend had a proprietary blend in it and uh and what what was the devastate scarlet devastate what was the one with the proprietary no, legend, blend? legend crimson. was proprietary well, i don't remember crimson crimson yeah crimson was transparent except for the um the stimulants inside yeah there. And so in, in like some specific situations, I think that like, you know, you're combining things <laughs> like, like, I don't think that a proprietary blend of citrulline beta alanine is going to be helpful to anyone, but a, a proprietary blend of a couple different unique stimulants that are from unique sources that, you know, you're not calling out the standardization. You're not calling out the dosage. If you put that together, you create a really interesting effect for people. I don't like proprietary blends by any mean of the word, but I do think that it makes sense, especially if you think you can then produce a study on it. I guess our question is, if is Nutrex going to be producing studies on their proprietary blends? No, dude, I was just saying that for a future. I mean, oh. ideally, I would love to be able to go there. Um, I think everything in the future is going to have such like stringent regulations where maybe it gets put to that point. Or yeah, FTC would food. like that for sure. Yeah, and you know, is it a good thing? not for all the people that can't afford it because all this is is just like with anything else, pharmaceutical, the consolidation of, you know, are the, I guess, monopoly <laughs> for the time yeah. of everything. Sorry. No. So for the time being, um, yeah, but is Nutrix going to be really claimsy on their, on their formulas? Cause that's kind of where the FTC gets, gets pissy. Yeah. We, we went very vanilla on everything that you see. Um, and the owner was like, you know, it could have some tea. And with me seeing what we're going to get to, especially domestically and internationally, like it's, I want to say watered down because it tells, you know, there's substance and it tells a good story, but um, it's definitely not going to be as claimy as everybody out there, you know, 
Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, but yeah, talking about the studies, I definitely see some of the some of the ingredient suppliers possibly doing that with some of their blends of different extracts and everything. So, uh, for the time being, those are the types of proprietary blends inside of single ingredients. We recently published a Fitnox article, for instance, and that is a blend of three things that have two clinical studies from like 2017 on it. So uh, that that might be something that we see continuing out of some of the, the ingredient suppliers. Um, but it's it's going to be tough to publish studies on finished products unless you're just a massive company. At that point, yeah, there probably will be some. Now we are talking to some um, research outlets that may be able to uh, publish clinical studies for a little bit cheaper using various technology and outsourcing techniques and everything. But uh, but to be, yeah, subscribe to the podcast on that one. Hopefully we'll get them on and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Yep, that's the direction. It's, in, it's inevitable. When is it going to happen? I don't know, eventually. Right. Okay. Well, now it's time for the fun stuff. Unless do you want to get back to Lambos or anything. I'm not sure how much time Ben has. I have a couple comments from for myself. I'm not sure if you want to add anything else to the Nutrix conversation or industry stuff. No, any, anybody watching, thanks for watching this far. Um, I'm really excited to show what we're going to do at Nutrix. And um, yeah, it's an immense opportunity. It was extremely flattering to give this, or to be able to be given such a chance to kind of prove myself. And um, two reasons why I took this. One, it's because it's going to be a massive challenge. But two, when I started meeting everybody at the company, I've never really felt at home before. And everybody there was just, they're so welcoming and made me feel like wanted in talking to the owner. And this sounds kind of cheesy, but you know, it's, it's been a long time since somebody saw the value that I could, I could provide, you know, when it came to a company. So having people that, that see what I'm capable of and appreciate that was it was just it was an honor and super humbling to me so yep gotta get that out i'm gonna post this and use that song uh stained it's been a while been a while chris is just <laughs> one single tear <laughs> <laughs> so does your i mean does your how does your mindset shift from being at a small brand like inspired and i don't mean small in terms of sales i just mean like you know you're the mindset where you can be uh, nimble and uh, innovative on a, like a very literal basis to working at a large brand where you are less nimble and, uh, and, and more corporate. How, how does your mindset shift? Man, it's honestly, that's going to be part of the reconfiguration where I'm, I'm like you guys, I'm obsessed with our industry. Um, all aspects of the industry. I just, I find it fascinating, you know, the scientific aspect of it and the camaraderie, the, the combatantness, everything. So I follow it very closely and. I'm going to, I want to bring the ability to be able to pivot on a dime. If something we see is coming out, that's going to be relevant or I could forecast or predict something, we're going to be able to jump on it. So that could be anything as basic as a, like a seasonal flavor last minute that we want to pump out because we have really good relationships with our manufacturers where we could get a product to, to market would probably like six weeks kind of thing, which, you know, is really fast. So a lot of the things I did with Inspired, I'm going to bring it over to Nutrix as far as like the philosophy of of really getting back into innovation and doing cool shit. But I mean, they're, they're corporate, corporate in a way where they're structured to really succeed and, and grow, but they're not too corporate where it's going to be anything like holding me back or restricting me from innovating. And, um, they basically like open the floodgates to like, dude, Chris, do, do whatever you think is going to be cool. Cause what you've done has been cool. So now that I have the financial backing to really grow things because with inspired you know they're great ideas but i didn't have the money to be able to promote it like these other brands do 
now that I have that kind of backing, it's going to be really interesting to see because it's like, you know, if I had a lot of money, I'm not going to say a dollar amount, but a lot of money when I was at Inspired, Inspired would be, you know, there'd be a massive company right now. And it was my reluctancy to take on any investors and looking back, hey, maybe I should have, but you know, it, it taught me a lot. So, but no, it's, it's going to grow. It's not going to be as corporatized as I think people would initially think. Okay. Which, so, sorry, go ahead. Go on, Ben. Yes. I was just going to ask, like, like, what is the, what is the biggest hurdle? Like, what, what is the hardest thing that you have to accept coming into something like this? Like, is it lead times? Is it like, because you have to, because you're talking about producing much larger amounts, like, is it the, the fact that you can't be as quick or, uh, is it, a, is it a different brand voice? Um, what, what is the biggest thing that you see, uh, yourself learning in the next year? Man, that's tough. I mean, one of the hurdles is, is the ingredients that we could use. Obviously I would like to be a little bit edgier, but that's completely wiped off the table. So learning how to formulate with stricter guidelines is a big learning lesson to me. And not that it's impossible or anything, but it's going to, it's going to teach me how to be able to adhere to more stringent guidelines and still come out with high quality and interesting formulas. And I think one of the only other people that do that super well is like Drew. Um, he, he, he comes out with, you know, phenomenal formulas and they're all, they're all back, maybe not all, but most of them are to spec and whatnot like that. Um, the, the next big hurdle is figuring out how to take like a massive company and make that relatable. Like we've talked about, um, cause right now you just look at this new tricks, like a, a corporation and whatnot with no face. So who are you really buying from? Like when you give them money, who the fuck are you giving money to? Are they just spending on the Ferraris we mentioned too? So making it much more personal, relatable, and, you know, giving the ability of people to interact with us, making us approachable too making the company more disarming where people feel comfortable, you know, relating to. And I just, they haven't had that domestically in a very long time. That's a really good point. Um, we've seen a lot of brands from the era of Nutrex bring on multiple faces that then come and go. And BPI had like Mike O'Hearn. They, they've done Jay Cutler. They have uh, Larry Wheels now. And Hulk Hogan was on that fun bar. Approach. Yeah, remember that? That was a hot <laughs> minute. <laughs> Can you believe Michael Hearn's natural, guys? Wow, he just eats goose eggs. And I mean, when you're looking, so you 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 posted, I think, yesterday morning, looking for a team of athletes. You weren't looking mm -hmm. for a team, but you're looking to build one. Um, I already gave you my input on what you think you I need for the team. <laughs> what, what what do you look for when you're looking for athletes for for a brand like this? What maybe we should open this up and say, like, you know. Uh, Nutrex is looking for athletes. It's it's 2023, so don't respond in 2025. But you know, what exactly are you looking for in a new face or in a new uh, person to rep this brand? Man, just raw, relatable people. Like people that aren't with like, yeah, we're gonna have some bodybuilders, but I want people that other like all of our customers feel like they could achieve too. So that doesn't mean somebody that's not really motivated they want to be we want people to be extremely motivated and inspiring to our audience but i want like a, a female or a male to be able to look at this athlete or individual and say like man if i work my ass off i could get there whereas and a lot of companies are getting away with this but a lot of the older companies still have those unobtainable physiques where it's just like you know maybe i'm into it because i like bodybuilding and i want to get jacked but i would say the majority of the audience out there is like no way that's just not achievable and you really see this in the uh, the TikTok culture where, you know, the guys aren't super jacked, but they're really lean 
focus on aesthetics and kind of like that zizzics or whatever the fuck you know you call it body um but yeah just and this is going with the whole mood of the company having something that is relatable to create that connectivity and that's going to build into like our brand story so athletes out there like coaches like after i posted that yesterday i didn't think anybody was gonna dude i got like a flood of people like hey man i'd be interested hey man i'd be into her or a bunch of girls you know saying hey, i'd love to be able to join the team um yeah dude it could then i'm not even looking at like followers i don't care if you have a hundred thousand or, or one thousand if you have captured your audience and if you could order if you could provide value to your audience where it's beneficial to them like that's what i want to do i want to build a team that provides value like we do to our industry to their own demographic you know and yeah. my goal is to bring on people that are whatever base they are and help build them up and empower them too so not just strictly benefiting like Nutrex, I want to build the individual up and make them something more prominent so they're able to tell their story and hopefully help, you know, other people's lives. It's an interesting uh, point back. So I, I, what I got out of that is, is relevant body types, people who are relatable to normal people, people who like you can, you can watch, you can feel like you can be a part of that. I, I like that a lot. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the TikTok body type because I just, I hate TikTok and I hate what's come out of it. That's just our age though. We're just bitter, yeah. you know? You're not even <laughs> old or anything, but you're just bitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm old enough, I think, is the problem. I like like being 30, like my shoulders and hips hurt and like I am <laughs> I, like I'm already angry. You're doing the most the bang be put up sport there is, dude. So you're you're gonna get banged up. Out of the pan and into the fire. I thought yeah. I was going somewhere safer and I went somewhere worse. But yeah, lifting weights. All you're doing is just putting a ton of weight on multiple joints day in, day out, and that's all you do. And we and we love it. So yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I know I I've I've I watched so much of social media today in in fitness and I have such low expectations uh for the industry. But uh getting to spend time with your with guys like yourself help helps me be a little more optimistic. Uh, cause there's a lot of like, I don't know, anytime I post anything to TikTok, it's like the most toxic return on that at always. Yeah. It's so weird, man, but you're right. And it's, it's hard for me not to get calloused. And there's been a couple of times where I've gotten callous. So I personally have to disconnect. I cannot integrate into that because I know it'll impact me negatively. And then that'll transfer to other things. And unfortunately, like this is your job. So you have to be in on it, you know? And, and if you stop, then you, you get out of the public circle. You're not in that conversation anymore. So it's like you're forced to be in that environment, whether you like it or not. Yeah. I've, I, I keep telling Mike, like, I want to detox from social media. And every time I say it to my friends, they're like, That's where did kinda, Ben go? It's kind of where you make your money, Ben. Like, I don't know if you can do that, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to take a week and I'm just going to post TikToks from my perspective. And we're going to come back. We're going to have like, a million lawsuits on our hands oh maybe <laughs> uh, if you get controversial enough it has this like inverse effect like right our only videos that go viral on tiktok are when i shit on people and it's like the most toxic reward system like it is it makes me want to do it more and like every time i do it mike like talks to me the next day and i'm like so jaded like i'm just so pissed off at everyone like <laughs> well, ben picks fights with people on a friday <laughs> afternoon and then he he messes up his whole weekend and i'm like dude and he learns it once a year it's like this is i've, I've noticed yeah. a pattern and so this past weekend was that and i was i joked to my wife i'm like yep ben forgot and now he relearned his lesson yeah. that he shouldn't be messing with people on friday so uh, hey i i used to do that all the time i used to troll people all the time and it wouldn't even be me being necessarily like a dick or anything i would just call people out and be like hey man that's bullshit 
And then I would just see tons of people be like, like a whole thread on a post. And usually like when I did that, it was late at night and probably a couple of whiskeys deep. So I was like, that's hilarious. I would wake up and then see all this. I'm like, God damn it, not again. You know, so I've- The problem is like, we're trying to apply logic. Like we're trying to like be fair in an area that's not fair. You know, like, like this weekend was a double whammy for me because it started with that proprietary blend with the calcium carbonate and magnesium oxide. And it's like, I'm over here like, like legit guys, like this thing doesn't work. Like, I don't know why you guys aren't listening to me, but like, look up, like I can cite studies on these. These ingredients are not bioavailable. Like yeah. you can't say, it, yeah, but it, uh, this is where you sort of like talk this, to us. Yeah. You can't say it doesn't work. Calcium carbonate does work. Yeah. Just maybe not for benching 500 pounds. On but final it, siding, it does. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it, 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 but the problem is you're trying to apply logic. You're trying to tell these people like, Hey, I've read the studies. I know this doesn't work. And they're like, no, bro. Like it does work. Like. Like all of these things, anytime you talk about anything, there's, there's a million people with an opposing thought process and behind a keyboard and the screen, they're a lot tougher, honestly. So it's, I just, yeah, I like how that formula just had potassium all alone, like not potassium citrate or anything, potassium chloride. It was literally just potassium. Like that would be explosive in a bottle. So it's, you know, it's not compliantly labeled. We'll just say, um, so well, like, yeah, I would have tried well, that alone. So that's, you know, tribalism goes against all logic. Yeah. So then it's into the the psyche of the individual and um, you can never win. It's, it's just like religion and politics, you know, and once you go down that road, which I love debating people, I love being controversial and interacting, but you just can't win. I've spent so many times being like, look at it, look at what is that? And they're like, nope, nope, I don't see it. And you guys are going to be approached, you know, in that situation a lot more than I am. And thank God it's battle luck. Yeah. I've, I've like learned how to treat social media as outbound only. Like I, I, I have log you? on, I post have it though. Well, I learn it and then I forget. I, I, I didn't say I remember. I didn't say I remember. I just said, I learn it. Like I do, I, I do forget quite often. Um, and then I remember I'm supposed to treat this as outbound only. Um, I will say the, one of the big changes this year versus other years is that tribalism goes both ways. Now we've got a bunch of people from our discord that will throw hands yeah. in the oh, comment dude. section it and i fuck with that yeah. dude we got yeah. we got some nerds on our side i love that shit i got i i really enjoy like I, like we it, it, the funny thing about like our community is like we like we speak for a lot of the industry but every here and there there's like a brand that's like somehow disconnected from the rest of the sports supplements like i i really respect the hell out of like first form probably has no clue who i am right and like that's not normal Optimum. for a sports supplement. Yeah. yeah, or Optum or someone. Yeah. And that's probably not true. Someone there probably knows who I am. But like for, for the most part, when they're making decisions, they don't care what Price Flowers is going to say about it. Uh, but it's so funny because like we'll point out like, and I don't mean to rag on first one. I'm actually a big fan of theirs. But we'll point out like a clear uh, lack of logic in some sort of formulating decision. And the formulator, the owner will come like ready to like kill someone. And like, no, nah, man, this is why Superlose is going to kill all of us next year. Mm-hmm. And and like, there's like, there's, you know, there's like 50 people in the comments from our side. Like this makes no sense. Like it's just like, it, this is common knowledge to most of us, but there are some people with their heads so far in the sand that like they're stuck on these like tribal thought processes with supplements or nutrients or whatever. That's, that's the majority of the populace. That's that. I think that's just intrinsic in the human condition. Once we like draw the line in the sand, it's very, very difficult. And you're seeing that now more than ever in every facet of society. What do you, what is like your, your biggest, like uh pet peeve with, with like supplements? <clears throat> like, like what, what thing do you see people say often that makes you want to scream on the inside? 
or maybe scream actually, but whatever it is. Oh uh, man, my my biggest pet peeve now is like label compliance. Since I've been doing labels for like years and years, I know exactly how a label needs to be set up. And if I see like an SFP or any anything on there that's wrong, to me that completely validates the the brand. You know, if you don't have any regulatory to at least have oversight of just that aspect, then you know what else are you not looking at more seriously? So. Doing labels, I look at every single label because I, I love seeing what other designers are doing and a lot of other, well, no designer is like meant to do fucking regulatory. Like that needs to be the manufacturer that you send it to. Their regulatory compliance will sign off and say it's good to go. And if you have trademark ingredients, you send it to those places, they'll sign off. So there's a process that I think a lot of brands overstep. And I think that is kind of scary to me because what other compliance issues do they have in the long run? We've stepped up hardcore on that. We, uh, there's a couple of ingredient companies now that send us labels for checks because we, we got on ingredient companies. It was like, hey, why is this, you know, s- supposedly rather premium ingredient being allowed to be next to DMAA on a bottle that says research facts? You see that all the time. And like the brand that you just went after the, uh, their RTD, you compared it to Ghost. I'm not going to mention them so they don't kill me anyways, but they use nitrates. And they don't have it listed as you know three T nitrates. Oh, really? you know? So it's like, yeah. So mm. you know, I'm just, I'm just saying. It's it's one of those things where, like, I'll, I'll give him a shout because this actually turned out really well. Uh, Derek, after after that whole issue, we're going to do a podcast with him. Actually, he came out and he was like, "Look, man, I'm a formulator, and I have a team of designers, and I don't know anything about design. They design they they design it, and it." it well, that, that, that might point to the fact that he probably needs to hire better regulatory and designers. Uh, yes. Do you get the call on that? Come on. What's his name? I know who he is, but I forgot his name. David, Darren. Oh, I mean. Every I, owner sees the fucking label. And it's well, the yeah, same one with he, that other like oatmeal or something where he's like, it was the designer. I didn't, there is no oh. one owner that has like, every owner has an ego. Oh, I, I agree. label is the front face of their ego. So obviously- You've seen it. And if it was a company other than Ghost, like, okay, it could be, it could be a mistake. But I mean, that's, I don't know. I was more so speaking to him, not knowing how a TLA needs to be shown on a bottle because I don't, I don't think many people know anything about what happens when you sign a TLA. No, Um, but I mean, the company that you sell, uh, that you do the TMLA, they give you strict guidelines of how it needs to be appeared at the logo color. Yeah. Copy needs like they. And then you sign off and you send them the freaking design itself or else you can't use it. So people that are using it, it I questions, is it even that ingredient? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, Mike and I have gotten really harsh on some of these companies. Like if you are selling this ingredient as this like premium, premium, like incredible ingredient that has all its proprietary-ness behind it, it's got all this stuff. Why are you allowing it next to these things? Why are you letting it be devalued in such a way? Um, not that ingredient that I, I highly doubt that it's that actual ingredient exactly exactly and i mean we have a few friends in branded ingredients that have caught several manufacturers using generic versions of what they're selling and i mean it, it comes down to like you know these red flags really show off that you probably should be afraid the case in point was uh laxosterone and coca butyrol when i launched legend with both those ingredients in it we were the only company using the branded laxosterone or laxogenin, laxosterone. And I sent all these other companies to the supplier and they're like, we don't, I don't know where the fuck they could even get this. So it's not real. Same thing with cocobuterol too. They're just putting like theobromine in there, some sort of alkaloids. So that's, you know, I've 
we've faced that directly multiple times. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary situation where you, these, these products are supposedly sold because they're unique and special or whatever it is, whatever this unique value, value point is. And it's literally being faked. Like that's the dark side of our industry, man. I want to say like the majority of products out there, if you did third party testing would not test out. They just, they just wouldn't. And it's not even the brand owner's fault because they don't know what goes into the manufacturing side, but clients of mine will tell me that they got a product quoted at X price. And I was like, that's impossible. No, no. They give me really good pricing. I'm like, okay, well just to be able to manufacture, maybe it's $4. Here's the cost of goods. That's another $4 plus the flavoring plus packaging. It's this price and you're getting it $2 cheaper. Like it's, it's unobtainable. Yeah. So, you know, I always tell my clients, I'm like, there's like a too good to be true here. So if you get too good of pricing is probably because it's fucking fake. And that's kind of well, where I was defending Derek a little bit. It's like, if you are just that owner, if you're just the guy who picks ingredients, mm -hmm. like you're not an auditor of facilities, if you're not, you know, I mean, should you probably learn all of these things if you're going to go on this endeavor? Most likely. I, I do think that you should. He's a massive. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like it, it, the brand owner, it is his job. It is his fault. And it is his, re, it is his responsibility. Legally speaking, technically speaking, morally speaking, ethically speaking. Like, right. dude, it's your, it's your company. So step it up. But I also think that a lot of these folks find a manufacturer and they get sold a story that this manufacturer does it better than all the other ones. They all tell the same exact story. They tell mm -hmm. you exactly what Chris is telling you right now. And, yeah. and I mean, Mike and I have, how many contract manufacturers have we spoken to? And every single one of them tells us that, you know, they, they totally cut out DMHA five years ago. They, Da, 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 da. They, they they only do these things. They test everything that comes in, boom, boom, boom. And then we find out that the, you know, you find out dihydroberberine, like two years into it being on the market, like didn't have a standard available to test it against. So everyone's just been throwing in products and never, how is it being tested for? No one knows, you know, or, or that, to expand on that, like expiration date, <laughs> you have yeah. to do like, you have to do stability testing, which is really expensive. And Nutrex does that. If you don't pay for stability testing, you, you can't technically put an expiration date on there. Yeah. It's not, it's not legal. And you see all these expiration dates and you're like, nobody knows that, but trust me, everybody watching, that's going to be a big thing. Very well, soon. Well, a big Is one. Though, I mean, we, we keep hearing that, you know, the thunder is coming and the thunder never comes. So well, for Amazon, for sure. Okay. Gotcha. So Amazon, a big, big, yeah. So, so stuff so, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or big box retailers or whatnot that, yeah. So now not. foods has forced their hand hardcore when mm -hmm. now foods did all those testing like amazon was like amazon had a lot of turnover in their regulatory department there really was no uh there's no person watching for a little bit and mm -hmm. uh, now comes out with this testing showing like all these magnesiums i think they were were just not, they just not weren't magnesium there. yeah i also i think this turn this also uh is a, is a good conversation about overages as well like this is a quite a common conversation with pre-workouts is like Oh my God, the beta alanine in this pre-workout is so much stronger than the one in that pre-workout. Like there is not stronger and weaker beta alanine. Like, like you might be using beta prime to lower the tingles, but th that's, that's when you, when you have proper overages, it's, it's, it's hilarious to me because like when people are like, oh my God, the beta alanine is much stronger this one than that one. I just look at where they're manufactured and, it, and, it's, and it's quite obvious when one's like coming from Armada and one's coming from like, you know, Joe's manufacturer in Texas. It has a hundred milligrams of niacin guys. Okay. Yeah. Just not listed on the fucking label. Yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there's, there's a lot of that. No, dude, no. And this is so good too. Like everybody watching, like just as everybody goes on PubMed or examine 
and looks at like the relative dosing to be able to achieve whatever you want to do. Like this is just as a fuck, this is more important because it's like arbitrary to think about the numbers in there if it doesn't even exist inside the product. So if there's yeah. not any like regulation on what goes into manufacture of these things, then it doesn't matter what the hell you're taking at what dosages you're taking. And to come full circle here, that becomes a real concern when, um, like, I, this is not personal about them, but I think they started this whole thing is like the EchoVision situation where they start making products with like 35 grams of product in there. And they're actually like transparently showing how much it costs, all this stuff. I really fuck with all of that. But that creates this wave where now all of these kids are creating brands that have so much in them. And we all know that there's a lot of manufacturers in America that would take your money and print that label and then not put that on there. Like absolutely. Like, I mean, probably over half, probably over, I don't know, 60 or 70% of manufacturers. Yeah. I mean, Mike and I have spoken to manufacturers, gotten a cool, you know, conversation, hear good things about them. And then like six months later, be get, get a label for a review. And it's like, you know, some really nice ingredient that we work with. And that manufacturer is sending us the label and it's got DMHA in it. And I'm like, where was this made? Like, oh, it's it's this. And, and like six months ago, those people, those same people were telling us, no, 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 we stopped with all that gray area stuff. You know, now they're just doing it on the down low. And it's like, come on, no. guys. And that that's to like the brand owners out there. It's not easy to do this legitimate. It yeah. isn't, you know, and there's smaller brands like uh, Impel Nutrition, Oof. where he was like actually testing his ingredients. And I remember talking to James, I was like, hey, third party testing is dope. But if you're just running, you know, not to say what he's doing or anything, because I don't want to be exposing or anything, but it's hard as a smaller brand owner to do it very legitimate from the get-go. It's just exceedingly expensive. So that means that nobody's going to do it from the get-go, which means that there's going to be a lot of, you know, compromise on the formulas. And then you're left in this situation where not all the small brands are are like this, but I would say a lot of them, you know, potentially are. Yeah. I mean, I episode 77, just so you know. <laughs> I had had a conversation with a manufacturer at the Arnold actually after Mike left I walked the floor and had more in-depth conversations because we were running from booth to booth and finally found this this brand that was like all the contract manufacturer was was just white label for people you're an influencer you want to sell products we'll make it and ship it for you yep. and I was like going through this with them and they're like I asked them like, like what's your mission here and they're like our mission is to lower the barrier of entry and democratize the industry for anyone to be able to have a brand which sounds really noble. And that's yeah, as far as I, I go thought with that. <laughs> no, I mean, so like white labeling, I saw that's been around for forever, but back when I was working with Diamondized, I first started like voicing my concern, like, hey, these these bigger box retailers have their own house brands. Yeah. And like the higher ups at Diamondized, like, no, we, we spend a million dollars a month of marketing. They're yeah. going to demand Diamondized. And what happened? Eventually, little teeny pieces got taken away to the point where you're completely irrelevant. Now, they're really forced to just do domestically because of that. But you're right, you know, the barrier to entry is super low. But these white label manufacturers are still going to run into the regulatory that we're talking about for shelf stability on each one. They're not doing any of that shit. So I don't know if it's going to be short-lived or be around for a while, but, you know, there is a time frame. Yeah. I'm interested. I'm, I'm curious how these things go. I mean, GNC's Beyond Raw is, is obviously successful because they've been able to um, you know, get people in store with really exciting things and then keep them there and, and obviously bring a lot of people to Beyond Raw where they cut out the middleman and sell a little bit of their stuff. Biden Shop's body tech brand does the same thing. I mean, we're talking about a fat burner with them next month that has 
some really nice ingredients in it. We're seeing the evolution with these these private label or I guess you would say private label, like house brands. House brands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's I mean, it's always been around. Walmart does this with Equate, right? They, you know, they, you you buy your expensive soap or you buy their same exact soap with their logo on it for five dollars less. Um, I think this is gonna be something that everyone has to deal with, but I, I don't necessarily see it as a problem because it makes these cool formulas more affordable. Yeah, it's going to be up to the company. You know, if, if you don't know how to capture and communicate to your audience, then you already lost. Yeah. And so, so many brands are in this case where they're now like panicking to figure out how to recapture their audience and they're, they're already gone. Well, this is a you conversation know? we had with Nutrex in 2020. It was like they didn't have a direct consumer uh, pathway anyway. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, they worked in a time when distribution was king and yep. the, the foot traffic advertising. Great. Yeah. For an advertising distribution where it literally had money and they were making absorbent amounts of money and it's, it's everything's digitized now. And now everything is hundred percent data driven. How far could you segment, segment your customer base into their own individual avatars? And how do you further even segment that? And it's fascinating. Um, I just had a meeting today with a, a CRM company and the data that they could like, how specific you could target somebody was just fucking mind blowing. It's mind blowing, and uh, that's where everything's going. And the big brands—they're already there. But I'm bringing—that's where we're bringing new tracks to. Yeah, we uh, we we talked with a um, a data and social listening company a couple months ago. That was really interesting. It's kind of scary to see how how far in you can you can dial in on these people, find their their consuming behaviors, their 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 content behaviors, how they express themselves. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's obvious it's been out there for a while. Uh, it's just a, like, like 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 private labeling, been a thing for a long time. But the way that people are taking advantage of it is evolving massively. And you compound that with AI, and I mean, they'll be able yeah. to like specifically send me something of the exact color that dilates my pupils, that raises my dopamine, that's gonna highly likely convert. Like mm-hmm. that, we are right there. Are you using AI for any of your your purposes right now, man? More more like exploratory. Um, I think chat, chat GPT is a tool, but the people that I'm working with, the brand owners are using that as a total crutch. And the more we lie, the more we rely on AI, the less we're going to use our brain. So we're just going to have this neural, um, you know, atrophy happening where the human brain is literally going to start shrinking because we do not have to think in these neural pathways anymore. And I'm scared of that. So I don't want to become dependent on it, you know? Use it a little bit, maybe for being able to identify our target audience a little bit better and how to how to be really better serve them, you know, because once we start putting out content, you don't want to blanket send it out to everybody. And Nutrix has a really big email list, which was super impressive. I, I was stoked on, but they don't have like the targeted database. So now when we segment, we could send out something to somebody that bought a creatine on how to be able to increase their bench strength or something like that, just to like a select group of individuals who've made that purchase instead of sending it out to like 50,000 people, which maybe only like 2% really cares about that stuff. So we're using it for that, but outside of it, like it's, yeah, don't get me started on AI. Everybody that talks to me on social media, don't talk about it because it'll ruin your day. I was getting you started actually. <laughs> no, so I want to go backtrack. I'll go back to the beginning of this conversation. You were packing your boxes, dude. And so uh, you kind of asked yourself at the time, do I hire someone temporarily because you're going to move? Or just pack myself. And it sounds like you started packing boxes yourself for many hours a day at least. And so like getting back to like some of the free advice we give to people, the answer is don't do that. The answer is to hire someone temporarily. 
um, and trying to find someone that maybe would even move with you or whatever. But uh, automate. So yeah. Automate. So <laughs> I mean, I guess once in a while it's good to like just clear your brain and just do some mindless work, like packing boxes or whatever it is. But yeah, we 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 need the crisp wall all drums of this world. Not packing boxes. We need you designing the outside of those boxes and using your creative skills because that is where you excel and that's where you can help this world. So, um, yeah, do that. Do that in your spare time. But we need we need more from you, Chris. So that, that's why I'm happy to see you and I'm not doing that. <laughs> but um, but to like tack onto that. So I recently uh brought someone on to, and hiring is the most important thing, obviously. And so uh, it make you or break you. I've taught I've said that before on other podcast episodes. But I recently am worth testing someone to actually just do some of the show notes for a previous podcast. But I, I told him actually that like this job will get outsourced to AI eventually. Like that's mm-hmm. probably where that's going. And um, I'm not afraid to admit that if, if it provides a high quality thing, because I, I would still want, if that person's a good good worker, let's just say, they're staying on. We're just using that tool to like do more instead of like, I'm not really replacing a person, but I want to do more. And I've found with my, my use of AI when I'm doing some technical code stuff, because I'm not the best coder, not doing it all the time, it um it is amazing at how good it can help with with programming stuff. So yeah, that's, that's I think there's tools, but I'm not it's not programming for me at, not at this point at least. It's like, but it, it knows that the I'm willing to ask it questions that I'm embarrassed to ask another human. Yeah, so, and that like you just listed the best case scenario where you could utilize it as something to be able to optimize your workflow. Um, but that's that's not where it's going. You know, it's it's going fast. It's going to be pretty abysmal, guys. <laughs> It's gonna, like initially, and there's a back, man, I forgot what like report came out or study came out. It said by like 2030, 60% of the workforce is going to be replaced by automation, by like, you know, AI and machine learning. And anyways, so like, okay, 2030, this is going to be, that'll be intense. The restructuring of society to be able to go into some sort of, you know, basically socialism. And now with like chat GPT-4 coming out. You know, it's you can't even say it's like exponential. It's it's almost like vertical advancement. And the people that aren't even aware of it today, just like I talk about companies that don't have that connectivity are already dead. Those companies are already bankrupt. They're they're already completely gone. They'll be replaced by companies so optimized and integrated into this workflow that it's just gonna be vastly, vastly more powerful. And initially with AI, they thought that, you know, the mundane jobs, the uh the work for the slave labor kind of jobs, if you will, we're going to be the first to be replaced. And now we're finding it's actually going to be the upper class, the upper middle class jobs that are going to be replaced. And um, you already see that right now, you know, with the AI lawyers, it doesn't, you know, they don't even charge anything. You can put in something, I'll tell you everything, or like a doctor. There's a, like the, I don't know if it's ChatGPT or another one, but it diagnosed this extremely rare symptom yeah. in like one record time, time, you know what I mean? So, this kind of growth is something that's going to happen so fast. So there's two things, two ways to be able to like mitigate the damage. One, like regulatory, there has to be something to be able to slow down this progress or or stunt companies from replacing the entire workforce. Or you need to give smaller companies or small businesses a subsidy to be able to keep people on. So instead of replacing, you know, little Tommy that you're going to pay 50 grand a year to do coffee for you, you keep them on and then you get to subsidize or you, you get some sort of benefit of keeping them on board, but this, the transitionary phase of going where we are right now to where it's going to be, it's going to be a catastrophic global event. That's going to impact everybody on the, on the most devastating scale, you know, and this sounds like super pessimistic, but it's just, it's the reality that that's what you're seeing. Right. It sounds like your, your solution is just as socialist as like a universal basic income. 
I kind of see it going in that direction. Like UBI, UBI is UBI is inevitable at my point at this point. It, absolutely, because I mean, what happens really, even if it's like thirty percent of the workforce, thirty percent, what the fuck are those people going to do? They're going to be on government welfare. You know, maybe our taxes are going to have to go up to be able to compensate that. So now we are being squeezed for every dollar. So. I mean, it's going to be a crazy restructuring and whoever owns AI is going to be the new global superpower, you know, by far, whatever country. I'm okay with some of this because I do think there's a lot of people that don't deserve to be paid the amount they do for the work that they do. Um, Wait a minute. Hold on. I get paid very well. (laughs) (laughs) I think there are plenty of people whose jobs will get replaced, but I think that the human input, the creativity, the... Uh, the uniqueness that humans bring to this, I think that that is going to be the differentiation factor. You can 100% with the amount of data there is on the internet of me and Mike do a deep fake of us, our faces with our words and have Chappie okay. GPT write the script and run it. You could, you know, if uh, if for one, whatever reason Shane bought us and still didn't want to go on camera, he could use that to have us keep creating content. You would probably never know that we weren't at the company anymore. It's possible. But I can tell you that ChatGPT would never give you the takes that I would give you. I've tried to make it do it, and it won't. And I think that the human, the human element is what will differentiate. And I think that I, I, I believe in humans. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I believe that that will that will win. And I think there will be plenty of people that lose, and that's okay uh, because those people didn't deserve it if they really do. So I, I, I do agree. I do like I do think that a lot of these things in a vacuum work. Like in a vacuum, it, it diagnoses, and in a vacuum, it does all of these things. Um, but life is not as binary as those questions are, in my opinion. I think that there's always more nuances for the people who will be winning those those contracts, yeah. in my opinion. We're talking about like just this basic time scale that we're on right now. Mm-hmm. So if you go 12 months from now, this is going to be an irrelevant conversation. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it I mean, crazy? You're worried about everything... Boston Dynamics, remember? I'm still worried about Boston Dynamics. <laughs> dog robots with machines. I'm just going to hang a big bag to him from a crane and just suck all that like, stuff up. In the future, like we're not going to have guns. We're going to have EMPs, and we're just going to throw a fucking EMP bomb out there to take down all the robots. <laughs> and then we're back down to guns, though. Yeah, that's what seems to Yeah. <laughs> no, Ben's got to get going. <laughs> I do have to get going. As much as I enjoy these. Oh, and stones. Too much, too much fun. Um, so yeah, we covered that. Don't, uh, don't pack the boxes yourself. Stay creative. Let the AI do that. Is kind of my thing. I have one other prediction. Um, Ben mentioned, and I don't agree with this. I'm not happy about this. I do. This is my prediction. Ben said we won't know who the president is. So I'm stamping it right now that the president will be Gavin Newsom. So it's April 10th of 2023. That's my prediction. I'm stamping it right there. Don't like it, but I think that's where it's going. So I just want to put that out there while we're having fun. Yeah, at this point, I think it'll be Trump. And unless, unless, and this, and actually, let's not even get into that. Because you got to go. We could do, we could save a yeah, lot of time. Let's do episode 420 or, I don't know. What's the, what's the next one that's inappropriate? The next yeah. cool number. Yeah, 420, we're already going to be replaced by robots. Yeah, 420. <laughs> yeah, 420 will be a deep fake of the three of us. So it's... <laughs> I'm the Matrix. We've been the Matrix for already like five years by the time that comes out. And, <laughs> we got to step crazy up. crazy how all this stuff keeps talking about you. You keep mentioning the, the year 2030. Isn't that wild? So however many episodes we can get until then, then then you have the singularity. Oh, God. All right. Well, signing <laughs> off. This is one. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Everybody watching, I love you guys. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Hey, Chris, you. thank you again, too, for coming up.